Good morning. It is really good to be here with you this morning. So I was thinking about the words that Craig said while he was up here, and while I still have the taste of the cup on my lips, I just really was thinking that the, the power of Jesus' blood is really evident here this morning. The power of Jesus' blood is evident because a diverse group of people can come together as one body, as one. Uh, that's a testimony to the power of God, our one God, and it's a power to the testimony of the Lord of our lives, the one Lord of our lives. So thank you for being here and showing the power of Jesus' blood by our unity, by our unity in our worship this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for all the many ways that you bless us. And Father, as we continue to look at your story over thousands of years, Father, help us to see ourselves in your story. Help us to be able to identify with the various characters in your story. But most of all, Father, help us to come to know and love you with a a depth that we've never experienced before as we see how faithful you are to your people. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be your people through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So we're continuing to focus on stories. We're focusing on God's story as found in the Bible, and we're focusing on our personal and individual stories, which find their meaning and their purpose in God's story. And we're exploring how God has acted for and interacted with his people over thousands of years. And our goal is to come to know and love God with a depth we haven't ever experienced before. So when we started this series, we started the series at the beginning. And at the beginning with creation, we saw the world as God always intended for it to be. It was paradise. And we saw life the way that God always intended for it to be. It was paradise. It was life free from guilt and free from shame. And it was built on perfect relationships. It was built on the perfect relationship between God and his created beings, Adam and Eve. And it was built around the, the perfect relationship between Adam and Eve, between man and woman. And it was also centered around the perfect relationship with mankind and the rest of God's good creation. But then, tragically, we watched paradise end. And we saw each of those perfect relationships altered as Adam and Eve listened to Satan's lies and rebelled against God. And then we saw that because of their sin, they had to leave the garden behind. And they entered a world that was far from paradise. The perfect relationships of the garden were replaced by a a world where creation was hostile to mankind. And mankind was hostile to creation. And mankind was even hostile to itself. Man to man. Woman to woman. We saw that Cain killed his brother Abel. And we saw that things continued to deteriorate from there until the very good creation had been replaced by a world that was continually evil. And we saw God send a great purging flood, and we saw the hope of a fresh start in righteous Noah and the creatures in his ark. But we also saw that that hope was short-lived. And we saw human arrogance reach a new high as people sought to bring glory to themselves by building a great tower. And we saw God, the one to whom glory was actually due, act again. This time not with a purging flood, but 
by sowing confusion among the people. And that's where we left the world last week. We left the world fallen. We left it blighted. We left it dark. And we left it with the people living far from Eden and living far from their God. And this morning, as we enter the next chapter of God's story, I hope that we're all entering it with anticipation and we're entering it with wonder. I hope we're all asking the question, what will God do next? I hope we're asking, how will God act in response to the fall? I hope we're asking, how will God react to a world where darkness now rules instead of his glorious light? So let's find out how God acted and how God reacted. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. As you read that, I don't know if you're like me, but as I read it, I'm a little bit surprised. I find this part of the story surprising because I really expected God to act and to react in more dramatic ways. I mean, this is the God who spoke creation into being. This is the God who destroyed the world with a great purging flood. This is the God who responded to the tower by confusing the languages. Instead of there being one common language, he made many languages to confuse the people. So I don't know exactly how I expected God to act and react to his world being in darkness, but I know I was expecting probably more drama, maybe more show, maybe more flash from God. But instead, God does something very interesting. God chooses to send a light. Maybe more correctly, we should say he chooses to send a light into a dark world. Or maybe even more correctly, we see that God chooses to make a light out of someone. God chooses to make a light out of Abraham and then send him into the dark world. And that's one of the truly surprising things about this chapter of God's story. This isn't like when God commissioned Noah. This isn't God finding a righteous man like Noah who was walking with God and found favor in God's eyes because he was righteous and blameless before the people. That's not this story at all. Unlike Noah, Abraham wasn't walking with God when he was called. He wasn't already a ray of light in a dark world. He was part of the dark world. We read in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua's nearing the end of his life and he's, re, he's rehearsing God's great acts among his people for the people before he dies. And Joshua says this. He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped and worshipped 
other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. You see, Abraham was actually called from the pagans. He wasn't called because he was a light, but he was called to become a light. He was to become a blessing. God's intent was for Abraham to be a conduit of his blessings to the rest of the nations, to all the people. God intended to do great things through Abraham, but Abraham seems like an unlikely candidate for God to work through. In fact, I believe Abraham only had two things really going for him, two things that made him the candidate that God was looking for. And the first was he was willing to go when God called him. Abraham was willing to go. And the second thing that he had going for him was that he believed that God would do what he promised to do. Abraham was willing and Abraham believed. And God promised that if Abraham would go, if he would just go, he would bless him. And he would give to him and he would make something out of him. And I find what God promised to make out of Abraham particularly interesting. See, he first promised that he would make a great nation out of Abraham. He promised that he would make a great nation out of a childless 75-year-old man. I find that very interesting. And I also find interesting that he promised that he would make Abraham's name great. He would make his name great. He promised to do for Abraham what the tower builders were trying to do for themselves. He promised that he would make Abraham's name great. Not by Abraham building a tower, not by Abraham doing anything on his own, doing anything for himself, but God was going to make Abraham's name great. And he'll do that if Abraham will just go, and if Abraham will trust that God will keep his promises. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He packed up everything, and he packed up everybody, and he went. And he went in faith that God would be faithful. He went in faith that God would keep his promises to him and that God would make something out of him. But I think we need to recognize in this part of the story that God's call of Abraham isn't primarily about Abraham. And his call isn't primarily about what he's going to do for Abraham. No, this chapter of God's story is about what God is going to do for the world through Abraham what the God is going to do through Abraham. I think we can think about this call of Abraham as being the first missionary journey. God calls on Abraham to go on the first missionary journey. It's a missionary journey to bring God's light back into the dark world. This call of Abraham was a missional call. God gives Abraham a mission from God. And that mission was to put God's light on display to the world around him. And his mission was to show the nations, to show all the people that there was a better way of living than living in darkness far from God's light. See, God is calling on Abraham to live in contrast to the dark world around him. And he called on Abraham and his descendants to live Not in a way to make a name for themselves, but to live for the benefit of others. Called on Abraham and his descendants to live as a blessing to the nations. 
And it shouldn't at all surprise us at this point to learn that Abraham's mission from God was deeply rooted in his relationship with God. Abraham's mission to be a light to the nations was made possible because of his relationship with God. His relationship with the God who we know is the source of all light. And so in the story, we see that God stressed the importance and he stressed the significance of this relationship by establishing a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. To use today's language, God defined the relationship he was going to have with Abraham and the relationship he was going to have with the great nation that he was going to build out of Abraham. And God defined the relationship this way. Genesis chapter 17, we read this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations out of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. So basically what God is telling Abraham, I am going to be your God. And let me tell you what kind of God I am. I'm a God of blessings. I will bless you. And I will bless your heirs. And your heirs will lead to there being nations formed out of them. And there will be a land and there will be kings. And I will be their God. And I will bless them. God is establishing a covenant of blessings with Abraham. And the blessings didn't stop with Abraham. And the blessings didn't stop with his descendants. God described... His intentions this way. In Genesis 18 and verse 18, God says this. He says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. See, this is a covenant relationship designed to bless God's creation. It's a covenant relationship designed by God to bring others, to bring the nations, to bring all people back into the covenant relationship with God that he always intended for them to have with him. And to accomplish this, 
God called on Abraham and he called on his descendants to live model lives. He called on them to show the nations what it looks like to live in covenant with God. He called on Abraham and his descendants to live lives that show what it looks to live in a way that is completely dependent on God. And he called on them to live that life so that the nations would see, so the nations would come, and so the nations would embrace God's light. And God calls on them to live those kind of lives so that his light will once more reign in what is now a very dark world. So God's call of Abraham isn't primarily about Abraham. And this call isn't primarily about what God is going to do for Abraham. This chapter in God's story is about what God is going to do for the world through Abraham and through his descendants as they live their lives in covenant with God and as they show how God blesses those who live in dependence on God. But I would be remiss if I ended this chapter of God's story with the impression that Abraham and his descendants perfectly modeled covenant lives. If I left us with the impression that they perfectly modeled lives that were dependent on God. Because the simple fact is they certainly didn't. In fact, Abraham and his descendants lived lives that were marked by faith. But they were also marked by fear. They lived lives that were marked by dependence on God, but they also lived lives that were frequently marked by dependence on themselves, by their own independence. They had times of remarkable faith that God would keep his promises. And they had times of astounding fear that God wouldn't keep his promises. We see this in the life of Abraham himself. Abraham had the faith and he had the dependence to pack up and go even when he didn't know where he was going. And he had the faith and dependence on God that God would keep his promises, would keep his promises even if he sacrificed his son Isaac. But Abraham is also the man who lived at times in fear and dependence. Abraham is the man who twice through his lies put his wife in terrible danger and in a terrible situation. He lied about their relationship because of his fear. He took things into his own hands. He's also the man who was led to seek his own solution to having an heir by having a son, Ishmael, with his servant, Hagar, a life marked by faith and fear, a marked life by Dependence and independence. See, Abraham had, had, Abraham had tremendous faith, but it wasn't perfect faith. Abraham depended on God, but not always. And I believe that teaches us some very important lessons about faith. See, I think that Abraham's story shows us that faith isn't about perfection. Faith is about direction. Faith is about direction. It's about who's going to have the wheel. It's about who's going to steer our lives. 
And in Hebrews, we see Abraham commended for his faith and not condemned for his fear. And that's because he continued to let go of the wheel after he had grabbed it. And he continued to give God back control of his life. I think Abraham's story shows us that you can be flawed and still be faithful. You can be flawed and still be faithful. And ultimately, this is a story about faithfulness, but not so much about Abraham's faithfulness. It's primarily a story about God's faithfulness. This chapter of God's story isn't about how faithful Abraham and his descendants were, but it's about how faithful our God was and our God is. So I want to end by reminding us, by reminding us here, the the baptized children of God, that God is faithful to his promises, and God is faithful to his people. And God is still faithful to the covenant that he made with Abraham thousands of years ago. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Galatians chapter 3. I'll start reading with verse 26. Listen to these words because these words were written to us. These words were written for us. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, it's very clear in this passage that God, through Jesus, made us Abraham's heirs. We are inheritors of the promises that God made to Abraham. We are also inheritors of the mission that God gave to Abraham. We're inheritors of God's plan to bless the nations through Abraham. So we, as the sons and daughters of Abraham, share Abraham's mission to bring God's light to our dark world. So what I want to do is I want to close by inviting all of us, all of us who have been baptized into Christ... All of us who have been clothed with Christ. All of us who have been made one in Christ. All of us who belong to Christ. I want to make this invitation to us. My invitation is this. Won't you embrace Abraham's missional call as your call? As your own call? And I know that can sound a little intimidating. Your mission is to be a light to the nations. That sounds a little intimidating to me. The very thought that I should be a light to the nations, a light to all the people. But I want to remind us that God doesn't call us because we are such great lights. He calls us to make us those kind of lights. We need to remember that like Abraham, we can be flawed but still faithful. And the way that we do that is by giving God control of our lives and by allowing him to work through us so that his light will be seen in us. And I also want to remind us that if we will let go, if we'll just let go 
and then go where God leads us, we can know that he will be faithful. He will bless us and he will give to us and he will make things out of us. Our God will be faithful to his promises. So I want to remind us that as Abraham's children, as his heirs, we're called to live missional lives in covenant with God. We're called to do that so others will see our blessed lives and so they will come to God and so they will also embrace God's light. God's light who is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. So church, so baptized believers, so those of us who are joined together as one, won't you join me in making that commitment, that commitment to live our missional lives as lights to the nations so that others will come to know God's glorious light through Jesus Christ. And if you are here and you are not part of that body, if you have not been baptized into Christ, if you have not been clothed with Christ, if you don't belong to Christ, Jesus is calling you as well. He's calling on you to embrace his light so that God can begin to work through you to bring his light to the nations. Won't you embrace that call? You can do that in a couple of different ways. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing a song together. You can walk to the front and let us know that you are ready to embrace Jesus' call to be a light to the nations by putting him on in baptism. If you're not comfortable walking to the front while we're singing that song, you can also walk to the back. You can make your way to room 104, and you'll find a couple of godly men there, our elders, who would love to talk to you about how God's light is working in their lives. Whatever your need is, won't you let us know while we stand up, while we sing this song together.